the Subway Series, more like the Midway Series. The Mets and Yankees split the two-game set for a second time, and they finished two and two against each other. An underwhelming series at the second-rate stadium. You know, City Field is far better than at Yankee Stadium. We will talk about the Subway Series and the trade deadline is just days away on Tuesday. Will the Mets buy? Will they sell? Will they be in between? Will they keep all their guys and trying to go on a run? Do they bring up Ron and Mauricio? We got a lot of questions to answer. And to do that, we bring on my buddy, the co-host of the Mets Up podcast, the official New York Mets podcast. And you know him from YouTube as Giraffe Neck Mark. Mark Luino will join me. It's all coming up next on a, this could be the end of some of the Mets seasons edition of Amazing But True from the New York Post. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Mets take the field. So amazing. Amazing but true. Orange and blue. So amazing. Here's the pitch. New York folks. It's out of here. We got you. Welcome, welcome, welcome back to Amazing But True, our New York Mets podcast from the New York Post. I am your host, Jake Brown. You can subscribe to Amazing But True on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you get podcasts. Give us a five-star rating, write a nice review. If you're watching this on the New York Post Sports YouTube page, follow that Amazing But True playlist. Give us a thumbs up, two thumbs up, like we're Ebert and Roper. Comment below. What do you think of the Subway Series? The two-game Subway Series that I despise with all my heart. Love the Subway Series. Hate the two and two. As it now ends at 2-2. Tie. Both mid-teams. I called it the Midway Series. You can call it the Sub-500 Series. At least for the Mets, the Yankees barely surviving over that. And in just a second, my buddy Mark Luino will join me from the Mets Up podcast. You see it with the team on the Mets YouTube page. And he co-hosted it with the great James Shiano, our guy. And he will join me in a second and Giraffe Neck Mark on YouTube. But Subway Series, you know, underwhelming. The Mets look great. On Tuesday night, the bats came to life. You're like, all right, the, the short right field fence. Pete Alonso came back with two ding-dongs. The Mets look great. Maybe they sweep the Subway Series, go home against the Nationals with some momentum in the final series before the trade deadline. But then Wednesday, the bats died again. And Rodon finally looked like the big money guy that the Yankees signed. The Mets have second and third, led by Danny Mendick's first hit. And hopefully this is one of the last times I might say his name, but who knows? After this trade dot deadline, maybe he becomes a, a player if they get rid of a few guys. We hope that's Ronnie Mauricio's spot in the infield, but we'll see. 
you know, he hits a double, second and third, no outs. They only get a run across. This team either doesn't score or they only score one run when guys are in scoring position. And that was the story of uh, Wednesday night, a sack fly by Nimmo, and that was it. 3-1 final after the 9-3 shaky win, even though it was 9-3 because the bullpen struggled a bit. But Robertson got big outs, and then they added some insurance in the ninth inning. And um, let's bring Mark in now. You know, Mark, you were there Tuesday night. Mark Luino, follow him on Twitter, at Mark, And check out the YouTube page. Subscribe there as well. My guy JC brought me Tuesday, and, you know, we had to go to the pregame Billy's. And, you know, he recognized you. He's like, yeah. And th- then after you left, he was like, I definitely gave him some crap years ago on Twitter or something. <laughs> you must get that often, I feel like. You're like, oh, yeah, I know you. And, like, secretly, they've probably even commented or, or tweeted you something bad over the years. Dude, 100%. Yeah. I mean, like, JC, I wouldn't. When we first met, he introduced himself. And then I was like, are you can't hold me on Twitter? He's like, yeah, I'm like, dude, we know each other. Like, why didn't you just say that? I I was like, he came in kind of like, oh, I just know you. I'm like, I know you back. So, yeah, but there's a lot of guys go back and forth. I will say most of the time, like, it's always in good fun. So I respect when it's in good fun. I've only had like one or two bad interactions ever. And it is what it is. I'll take it every single time. It's still fun. Yeah, listen, if people recognize you for your work, they've seen you and they know you. And I think that's a good feeling sometimes, even if they hate you. You know, there's people who pretend to like me in person, but I know that they hate me and that's fine. As long as, uh, you know, you uh, respect the hustle and the Mets did not hustle much on Wednesday. And it's just a seesaw ride with this team, man. And, you know, Tuesday, you're, you you got good vibes. You, you want the bragging rights. And then Wednesday brings you back down to life. And I don't know, Mark, until this team could really string wins together, it's hard to believe. I said, you know, if they go 6-0 and this week, maybe they're not sellers, but that's obviously not going to happen. And, you know, I'm not going to go out here and say, oh, if they sweep the Nationals, they're not sellers. I think we just got to accept the fact that they're sellers and they're probably not a playoff team. And as much as I want to keep it positive and be like, yeah, they could turn this around, they could turn this around. Besides that one win streak and then the five days in Flushing in May, they have not put together a good enough run to make me think that they're going to get even to 500 at this point. Yeah, I mean, it has been a weird, weird season with the way that they've been playing. And I, I think you said it perfectly. It's going to take a lot for them before the trade deadline to be buyers. I think most likely they're going to be sellers. And it seems like David Robertson is kind of that point of if they trade David Robertson, they're probably not going for it. And that's when you probably start moving everything else. And if they keep them, start to think, okay, they think they at least have a chance at something because without David Robertson, I mean, what does this bullpen look like? Honestly, like how do we get out to end the game? So he seems to be the litmus test of what the Mets are going to be doing. He might get a lot back for him too. Steve Cohen in the press conference all that time ago, it feels like forever. But in that press conference, he's like, we're going to make moves that make this team better. Like maybe it's not for this year, but it could be for the following year. And again, moving a guy like David Robertson last year netted a top 10 prospect in baseball. So if the Mets can get something big back for him, I think it's the right move. Like we might just have to accept, like you said, they're just not a playoff team this year, maybe. Yeah. In the last episode, I said, like, I think Robertson will get them the most, but he'll also give us the most headaches when he's gone. Because think about it. It's if you if you keep Adovino, Adovino, remember, he's another rental. Like maybe he's a guy who goes, but his value is not the same. You're going to have Drew Smith setting a bad amount of Vino. And we're set up for failure potentially for two months, which like if you're sellers, you kind of got to accept that you're probably not making the playoffs. 
But part of me is like, I want to keep Robertson for my sanity, right? <laughs> yeah, at least so that we could watch some games down the stretch and be like, all right, I'm not having like a heart attack every single night watching this team play. It would be stressful, kind of like you said in that game one, it was 9-3 and the game still felt a little bit tight at points, which doesn't make any sense. Yeah, we're going to see Dominic Leone save opportunities in September. The Connecticut native coming on the mound as I sit through Connecticut traffic on Sunday for hours upon hours for a state that people are just trying to get out of. Yeah, it's not fun driving in that state. What's the deal with that stuff? I mean, it is just like it's almost like no one there is staying in Connecticut. They're trying to get out and they're trapped in two lanes of nothingness, bad service and an occasional rest area close enough to the area where you can play blackjack. Well, I know that from experience. Yes, from Sunday. So you take a little longer on the toilet. So you get a few last rounds, a few last double downs while you're on the toilet on a rest area. And one of the rest areas, very small with a subway. It smelled of subway and poop combined. And so a guy was changing their diaper and there was one stall. I'm like, what the hell's going on in here? Yeah, the Connecticut rest ups are uh, not kind to those who need to use the bathroom, I feel like. Yeah, and the Mets are making us use the bathroom, and so is the Yankee Stadium food, which is just pure trash. I mean, I had Benny Han on Tuesday night, which is Me always too. You haven't been on it? Yeah, that's the go-to move. You chill the Toyota Terrace. You got my guy, Hyro, the bartender out there. But, uh, yeah, I mean, the food there, man. Um, you know, luckily, I did find my myself in true Jake Brown fashion in a suite last night. But uh, even in there, I mean, I was having chicken fingers, fries, and, like, what are we, in 1997? Like, we got to upgrade the food. Like, you got to bring on the cinnamon sugar pretzels with icing, Mark. Like, how, how was your experience at Yankee Stadium? You did vlog it. You know, I, you did film me in the vlog at Billy's. And uh, what was your experience like? Yeah, I mean, I had an interesting one. It's obviously always great when the Mets win. So that made the experience a heck of a lot better. But like getting to the stadium, I hate the four, five, six line. I think it's like one of the worst lines in the city. It's always packed. It's always hot on that line. And the subway station at Yankee Stadium is so tiny for how many people come in and out of there. It's incredibly hard to actually get in and out of there. The lines to get up and down the stairs. It's just a mess. And then getting into the actual stadium for a stadium that has 50,000 people. Hardest stadium I've ever had to get into ever. Impossible. Impossible to get in there. There's lines everywhere, no matter what gate you go into. It's like they've never been prepared for a big crowd before. doesn't matter what time you get there. You're waiting 15, 20 minutes to get online. It's a horrendous fan experience to get into one of the most overrated stadiums in all sports. Yeah, and I don't even know if it's overrated. I mean, a lot of Yankee fans love City Field more than they do Yankee Stadium, which I'd be pissed if, like, my favorite team, I like the other team in town stadium better. That would piss me off. And it's the one kind of silver lining we have in these final months of maybe a bad team. And, you know, I'll probably go less to games, but at least it's great food, a good experience, and a good time um, at City Field. But, yeah, I'm, I'm telling you. So the tricks of the trade, you have to have clear. Like, if you don't have clear – you are absolutely screwed. And even the clear lines get long or the hard rock entrance. I went through hard rock last night, at like right at seven and there was no line. I got right through hard rock. So hard rock and sweet, clear entrance are the two tricks. But otherwise, you're going to miss the first inning or two. It's like, like, if what are they making you take your belt and shoes and socks? Oh, what are we at JFK? Like there has to be a better way. It is an atrocity. Dude, the Tuesday night game. So I'm going in with my friend Ernie, who you met, and he scans Ernie's tickets. 
he then like puts the the scanner right next to my phone. It scans mine. And then he goes, okay, let me see your ticket. I'm like, dude, you scanned my thing. Like, I promise you. He's like, it says you already came in. I'm like, I did not. I just saw you scan. He's like, hey, listen, man, I'm not arguing. I'm like, I'm just trying to get in. Like, we paid a lot of money to go to this game. We're making it very difficult here. Just let me through. You scanned it already, my man. Like, I promise. It's it was a whole fiasco. This he finally bought in. He's like, yeah, I did scan it. He finally bought in and was like, hey, you know, whatever. I'm like, yes, whatever. Correct. That's exactly the reaction you should be having. <laughs> oh, God. What a disaster. Well, Yankee Stadium, we go. I go my two times, then a few others, and then that's it. Last year, I went you know, for the judge chase. I wanted to see some history. But, uh, you know, it's gonna, it could be a rough two months here down the stretch for both these teams as the Mets, they entered seven and a half out. They exit seven and a half out. And it seems like there's more and more teams to climb. I mean, the Cubs are now back in it, just a game under. They're four and a half out. The Padres, we'll see. They're still semi in there. I still think they could go on a run with the talent they have. And then it's a, a cluster, you know what, between the Giants, Phillies, Reds, D-backs, Marlins, all within a game, a game and a half of each other. It is out of control, Mark, how close this is. And there's the Mets behind all those teams, seven and a half out like we said this team would probably be sellers but you can't sell all these pieces and you know you got to keep a few of them tommy fam i think has some value now he did play last night he has been his exit velocity is through the roof on everything that's what everyone points to he did wear the shirt of do mills not drugs which is which is an inspirational message by right? tommy fam as that blew up you know the dare program love that i'm sure they love that message but it's really Fam and Robertson. And then, listen, Vogelback's not going to get you much. Canna can maybe get you a low-level prospect, if anything. Adovino, same thing. But out of the rentals, it's really Fam and Robertson. And then Canna's a good clubhouse guy. And then Vogelback, you'd have to package maybe with an Adovino or something. But, you know, I don't know how much they're going to get for all these guys. And is it worth it? Like, do do you want to like maybe keep him and hope to go on a run, call up Mauricio, get Marte back after he has his kid potentially this weekend and maybe be like, all right, we got two months, let's ride. Or do you just go, all right, let's trade all five of these guys. Yeah. I mean, I think you really have to evaluate the prospect package you'd be getting back because I mean, let's just put it this way. The guy that we traded for Tyler Naquin, which I think is something similar ish that you could expect for a guy like Marcana. He's now crushing it in a ball. Like he's absolutely dominating not to rub any salt in the wounds there. Jose Acuna and Hector Rodriguez. I believe they're two and they're both they're hitting and pitching. Well, yeah. Hector Rodriguez is like the best 19 year old or 18 year old in the, in the Florida league right now. He's absolutely dominant. So like, if you can get a fun prospect like that, I think it's worth a shot. A guy like Tommy Pham should bring a little bit more. Like you said, Robertson out of, you know, you can mix and max match packages a little bit, but yeah, you do have to value what it's going to be. And I think right now the Mets are in that awkward spot of like, we don't actually know until we start seeing some offers. And I think Giolito being traded with Reynaldo Lopez set the market a little bit last night with the angels trade. They got a top level catching prospect and another like, borderline-ish top 100 guy in Kai Bush. So you're starting to feel out what guys are getting back for their pieces. Mets don't really have a Lucas Giolito, Reynaldo Lopez piece right now, the, those two together. So it'll be an interesting package back, but I don't know. I, I, I still think as much as I would love to go for it, unless you're finding like that kind of Marcus Stroman deal laying in the weeds, a guy that's going to be multi-year that you can have building into the team next season. I think it's going to be hard to trade four guys right now. 
Yeah, and there's no one, you're not like, oh, they'll get this guy and go to the playoffs. I mean, you probably need two relievers. You know, starting pitching, they don't really, I mean, Carrasco will come off the books. You got Carrasco the rest of this year. No one's going to want him, really. Um, and then Quintana's been solid so far. I mean, it's only been two starts, but he's given you, given you what you need, basically a quality start. You just got to score more. I mean, they could use the bat, but you, you, you would think in a week it's finally Ronnie Mauricio time. You just feel like, you know, that series against the Royals, he'll finally get the call. Low pressure, Kansas City, bad team. Maybe he goes crazy against bad pitching that first week. Um, and then Baltimore. I mean, can't believe you're going to Baltimore to face, you know, a perennial World Series team. I mean, where did that come from? You said mix and match, but you first said mix and max, which leads me to my next point. Now, they're going to have a new president. We hopefully it's Stearns. Maybe Epler's gone. We'll see. They're going to have a new guy in charge figuring out the roster for next year. And Scherz is going to be a part of that if you don't trade him with his $43 million option, which he would be an absolute buffoon to turn down because he'd probably get half of that on the free agent market. That's why I think they won't trade him because one, you're not going to get a ton for him now. And two, you kind of want that next guy in charge to be in charge of what happens with Max. So I feel like they might listen to calls, Mark, but I don't see him or Verlander going. And Verlander, with the way he's pitching, remember, you got to have a rotation next year. This is a team that still should be fighting for a World Series next year. I don't want to be in a rebuild next year. You should be, you know, a World Series contender next season. And the way Verlander's pitched at least the last six starts, seven starts, he looks like a guy that could be part of a World Series and next year could be his final year or second to last year as part of that. Yeah, no, Verlander's looked great over the last six starts. He's been phenomenal, like you said, and even talked about it on SNY the other night about how, like, it just took him a little while. He's like, I I really don't start the year on the IL often. And when I came back, all the hitters were ready. They were in their groove, and I had to kind of find my way. So I think he'll be fine. I don't think he's a guy that you move. Scherz is an interesting one, like you said, because there's a couple different ways to look at it. Like, yes, we keep him. We have our rotation one, two again set for next year. Or two, we got to get $40 million off the books for the next season that we could get a little bit more creative with. Depends which way the Mets want to go. I'm honestly, it seems like they're not going to trade him, especially from the reports that have been coming out that those two guys are going to stay. Max wants to stay here. Justin Verlander doesn't even want to hear about being traded. That's like one positive thing is that these guys for sure could have been like, I want to get out of here. I want to play for a playoff team this year. And both of them are like, no, like I came here to get a job done. I came here to win as a Met for the Mets. That's something I think Met fans can at least hold their hat to that. We don't get that often with Mets players, I feel like, that are uh, high profile. Listen, if Max like turns this around and Verlander pitches the way he does, we've already seen Sanga. We love Sanga. He's awesome. Quintana's look good. That's one through four right there. There are like encouraging signs for next year, but it's still a team seven games under 500. That's been nothing short of an utter disaster this year. I mean, there's, there's, there's positive Francisco Alvarez is the other positive, but you're going to have to have guys who were good last year, bad this year, be good again next year. It's kind of just, it, it's that's baseball, Susan. It's like, you have a bad year. You're, you're good the next year. So they have not played to the back of their baseball card. Guys like Jeff McNeil, Nimmo's been okay, but not 150 million okay. Alonzo, obviously, he cannot hit 200 next year. He's got to improve over the next two months. And, you know, another trade that was interesting that is very much explained to me like I'm five trade. Noah Syndergaard from Med Rosario. Take, take the floor. Take it from me because what it, it seems like the Guardians got absolutely fleeced by a pitcher Noah Syndergaard who hasn't looked anything like 
the uh, the Thor that we knew back in the in the 2015 days. Yeah, the thing I'll say is two smart pitching organizations are now taking a chance on Noah Syndergaard, and you can maybe even say two and a half with the Phillies' improvements in their pitching the last couple seasons. So the Dodgers going after him said, okay, he must have something left. There must be something left in the tank. They use him. They're like, oh, this guy stinks. He's terrible. Like, we, we don't want him anymore. And then the Guardians, who make water into wine with their pitching, they're like, give me a shot with Noah Syndergaard. We can't fix hitters, but we can fix pitchers. So there, there's got to be something there, I guess, that gets people excited. They also did trade nothing. Ahmed Rosario has been horrible the last couple seasons, ever since he's left the Mets, ever since he got called up with the Mets. He's been a disappointment. He was a top prospect who has just simply not lived up to the hype. But... We know what the Dodgers have been able to do with guys who haven't lived up to hype. They revitalized Jason Hayward's career. The guy's having an awesome season. They made Max Muncy from a journeyman into a perennial all-star at first base. So, I mean, this is a trade that just feels like a nightmare for Mets fans because at the absolute best, they continue to do what they've done and they have no impact on your life. But at the absolute worst, both these guys wake up and you're like, oh my God, Ahmed Rosario's good and he's playing for the Dodgers now. Like, he's still... I think 27, 28 years old. Like this is the prime of his career. I wish the best for these guys because I don't ever wish poorly on players, especially because like, what did they really do at the end of the day? But man, oh man, it would be a nightmare if these guys both figured it out. What are the Mets going to run? It's Mets Dodgers. And you got Verlander facing a Med Rosario. In the you know what? Like, I wish that happens. I wish yeah, that that's happens. Because <laughs> it means we're playing playoff baseball. That would be a dream scenario to be worried about a Med Rosario playing well against us. Yeah, watching the wild card round, first round, bottom of the night, the Med hits a walk off. I'd be like, what just happened? Like, yeah, I mean, I'm looking at the Med's numbers. He really hasn't been that good, but it's just like amazing. I think Syndergaard, a guy who's been hurt, has had a high ERA. Like, but hey, maybe you're right. Maybe the Guardians turn him around and, and something happens there. And listen, that's a terrible division, the AL Central. It's the worst division in the sport. So he's got a chance to maybe face some bad teams. You get the Royals a few times, you know, you face face the teams like the White Sox. Um, and then the Angels, like the trade you said, you know, their GM's going for it. And it means they're keeping Otani, it seems like. You don't make that deal and, and trade away Shohei Otani. That's a team who's basically turned Syndergaard and Iglesias, Marsh, and, and a few prospects into Gilito, Lopez, and Mickey Moniak. I mean, what a change in GMs and, and turning some, uh, what's a mountain into a molehill? What's the saying? Yeah, it turned... Uh... Sand the diamonds. I don't, I don't know what the saying is. I'm bad with that stuff. But yeah, I mean, like, I think if you're an Angels fan, you're pumped. I think that's really cool to see that they're going for it. Everyone keeps talking about, like, all the teams in front of them. But I'm like, guys, they're like two games back or four games back of the wild card. Like, I don't care how many teams are in front of them with the Yankees, the Red Sox, the Blue Jays, Astros, all that kind of stuff. You get hot. You finish 10 games above 500. You're probably making the playoffs right now in the American League and even in the National League. So it's cool to see a fan base and a team that very much could have been, we're not going for it this year. We're going to trade Shohei Otani, go get all our prospects, start the rebuild over again, saying, you know what? We're actually going to try and make the playoffs now for the two best players in the sport. All right, we're talking prospects. Where is Ronnie Mauricio? Like we've said for weeks and weeks, he's got to be here, Mark, and he's still not here. The thought is they're waiting for after the deadline. I thought they might call him up when Guillermo went to the aisle, but again, Danny freaking Mendick, who gets a gets a double on Wednesday. Congrats to him on his first Mets hit, but what the hell is going on here? Like, I don't know what the hell is happening. I know he say he's not ready, want to get him more time in the outfield and second base. But at some point here, you got to see what this kid has and see if he could give you a spark. You still got, what, 60 games 
or so remaining. Like the Mets blew seven and 17. So what's saying they can't come back from seven and a half and 60? Yeah, listen, I've been wanting Ronnie up for a while now. I think he's a super talented player. I think he's kind of at that point where I don't want to say he's master AAA because he's he's definitely not there yet, but he's performed well enough that deserves a look at least at the major league level. And I do agree. I think it's probably going to be after the deadline. Uh, I think they're just, I mean, they're definitely not in a rush to call him up as we've seen this year. But at some point, we got to see what this kid's got. Like Danny Mendick can be a very fine serviceable bench bat bench player fill in here and there every other day or so. But if you really want to try and make an impact and see what you've got, Ronnie Mauricio is that guy with that power from both sides. Apparently he's very much improved at second base and left field over the last couple months. While the offensive numbers have dropped off a little bit, I just don't know how much more improvement we're going to see out of the guy in AAA. He's never going to walk. Just accept it. He's never going to walk. He's never going to be that patient hitter that I think a lot of people hoped he'd turn into, but he doesn't strike out. So if you're not going to walk and you don't strike out and you hit for power, to me, feels like you've kind of figured out what kind of player he is. And I'd love to see him at the major league level, see what he could do. And hopefully he could be a part of the future of this New York Mets team. He's exciting. Daniel Murphy was a stud at second base. And in left field, he looked like he didn't belong on the Savannah Bananas. Second base is not that. I mean, I always said if I were to play and I played my one year in Little League, never got a hit. I, everyone knows I love the I love the bunt. I would always try to bunt for a hit. But my fat ass eating cheese doodles in, in third grade would have trouble running that out. I was maybe more of a speed demon in third grade than I am at 32. Whoa, okay. Um, and by speed demon, mean I was able to run. Now I'm just, I just walk to the bodega in the coffee shop, you know, in 30th Ave, you know, my New York City coffee bagel house, the classic. I'm going to go right after the show, get my bagel, get my coffee. But I love the bunt. But uh, I forgot where I was going with that. Like, you love bunts. <laughs> love a bunt. I got off on a tangent there. But like dream scenarios, first base Alonzo, second base Mauricio, Lindor short, Beatty third, McNeil goes over to left. We've seen him play the outfield. They're not trading Marte. I know a lot of people, he's coming off the migraine. He's having a kid this weekend. He's got two years left on his contract. I think they're just going to eat it up as the offseason surgery, slow start. He'll come back and be good next year. I just don't see Marte on the trading block. Either now, maybe the new president says, I want to get rid of him in the offseason. But left McNeil, Nimmo Center, right uh, Marte. And then DH, you, I guess you figure out. I mean, you put Mauricio at DH some days. Uh, maybe you end up keeping a fam and, and he's the DH. You have options there. But that, Mark, is like my ideal, at least fielding situation. You mix and match some days, some not. But what do you think of that uh, that depth chart? There? No, I like it. I, I think it sounds good. I mean, even like sprinkling in Vientos in that DH spot at some point too. let him let him get some playing time like we've seen recently. I, I think it's time to give Mauricio a shot. I definitely agree. Like we've seen Luis Guillorme again. I think he's a very much serviceable backup guy that you'd like to have. Perfect then because he can come in for Mauricio late in the game if you need him to, or he can come in for Brett Beatty late in the game to be a defensive replacement, which is where his true value is, is the guy who can fill in and give you a good glove at multiple different positions. But I think if we really want to try and maximize the value of this team, especially with guys like Pete Alonso hitting the free agency in uh, 2025, you, you got to start playing Ron Mauricio. Let's see what he's got. I think he'll be just fine. We saw him do well in spring training, of course. It's spring training, so everything with a grain of salt, but it's time to see what this kid's got. I've been really impressed every single time. I start to think, like, maybe he's not as good as I thought. He does something a little bit better. He gets better. He gets better. He's a freak athlete. Like, just watching this guy play baseball on its own is super interesting and exciting as a baseball fan and as a Mets fan. And the spark he could provide. Like, you know, if he pimps a homer, the bench goes crazy. 
Boom. Morale wins. Mets. World Series. Bang. Give me Obviously. more baby Mets. Give me more baby Mets. I'm in. They put another guy in the shirt. You got all of them on the shirt. You got Alvarez. You got Vientos. You got uh, Beatty at a four spot athlete logos, make a new shirt. And you got all four of those guys. And that's something that sparks the fan base too. And here with Luis Guillaume out four to six weeks, why not see what you got in this window? Guillaume is not a future part of this team while he's down and out. See what you got here. And then Guillaume, like you said, maybe he's a late game defensive replacement. He plays once a week here and there, but this is the time. So I'm very curious that series started with the Royals or maybe they wait a week. Don't wait too long because you're already seven and a half out. It's only going to potentially get worse. See if it can get better. Let's see what you got in Ronnie Mauricio. The Mets will take on the Nationals. This weekend, Thursday, Sanga versus Gray. Friday, Scherzer versus Gore. Saturday, Carrasco versus Corbin. And Sunday, Verlander versus Williams. Would love a sweep and see, you know, try and get within Mark like five and a half here going into the deadline and, you know, see if you're going to ride because, like, on paper, this team, it should be better than this. And I, there's still like, I hate that, like, part of like the back of my brain says, you know, they're going to run, go to the playoffs. The trumpets are back. Maybe the bullpen is saved and you end up keeping Robertson out out of, Eno, Robertson, Rayleigh and Edwin Diaz. Like there's part of me and Max gets it together. Verlander pitches like he pitches. Alonzo brings the power back, gets his average up. Lindor there's like, there's a small, like little part of my brain, like this big that thinks maybe they could do something here. Now you have to keep it a little positive. Cause you do a podcast with that. So you got to <laughs> keep it politically correct sometimes. But me, I could say whatever I want, and there's still a part of my crazy, deranged brain that thinks they could get it together. There's 61 to go. Do it right. You got the guys on paper to get it done. Yeah, no, uh, we have a sickness. Being a Mets fan is a disease. And the fact that both me and you can still drink the Kool-Aid and think that there's a chance, it is, we're Mets fans. That's just what we do. We don't give up, like, ever. We've just been so used to being so Bad, so bad. And like you said, we know this team is not this bad. We know they're not. Like Jeff McNeil turns it around. Francisco Lindor plays a little more consistently. The Pete Power, Brett Beatty figuring it out. Like we have gotten so many good performances as guys this year, like Francisco Alvarez. Stuff that we didn't have last year. Our catching spot was a black hole last season. And to get a 115 OPS plus out of a 21-year-old catcher to get some pitching performances down the stretch could completely change things. But time's running out. Time's running out. There's only so many games left in the season. And at some point, as much as we can talk about how good this team could be, they got to show it. And I think these guys know that as well, which is at least, I don't know if that's comforting, but maybe encouraging is that they have been talking about, like, we just got to wake up at some point. We got to wake up. We got to wake up. I thought Tuesday against the Yankees was it. Wednesday was a bit of a just a snooze fest, a little bit of a stinker. I just, this four game national series sweep the nationals four games. Just keep winning baseball. Can't worry about everybody else. If you split this series, I mean, there's no life. If you win three out of four, this sum really, you would love a sweep, but anything less than three out of four. And uh, that might be the icing on the cake. And then Tuesday, 6 PM, the trade deadline. And we'll see what ends up happening. But yeah, this, it's, this is the part where you enter the gift of, uh, the little black kid in uh, Angel in the Outfield. What, what was his name? Do you remember JP, right? Was that his yeah, name? I think it was JP. Flying. Can, can we yeah. wave and this is our <laughs> Angel in the Outfield moment? Really, not the Anaheim Angel, they're the ones in the outfield going for it right now. 
But uh, yeah, we'll see, and maybe Shohei Otani next year. And that's that's my thought. It's like Otani, Sanga. Ah, give me Yamamoto too out in Japan. He's coming over. Get me him as well. We literally are deranged um, people, deranged Mets fans. Mark Luino, follow him on Twitter at Giraffe Neck Mark. Check out his YouTube. Tell uh, our listeners, viewer, viewers about Mets stuff, where you get it, how often, and uh, what else you got. You're doing stuff with video games too. Yeah, playing video games, that'll be the show, doing it all. But yeah, Mets up after every series, uh, official podcast of the Mets. So we're working with the team, get some great interviews over there, talking to some players. We talked to Francisco Lindor a couple weeks ago, which was really cool, and plan on getting a few more of this homestand. So keep an eye out for that. You can find it on the Mets YouTube channel or our podcast feed as well. And yeah, just if you like baseball, trade deadline is going to be hot. Check out my YouTube channel. Going to be doing a live stream on trade deadline day. So if you're interested in that kind of stuff, That'll be the place to find me, Giraffe Neck Mark, with a C, the right way to spell it. Oh, the right way, yeah. I mean, <laughs> C is the the other way, I would say. I don't know the, right the European way. way. The European. Oh, he's, he's got a little flavor, folks. Uh, tell our viewers, listeners, because I was intrigued by the growth pre-COVID to post-COVID of your YouTube, because it's, it's grown a lot. And in some ways, COVID might have helped the growth because people were home. I know me. I never was a big YouTube guy until COVID. And then, like, I'm on YouTube now every day on my on my TV. So talk about your growth from, you know, what was it? 2019 say to what it is now. Yeah. So 2019, my channel really took off. Uh, I went from like 35, 40,000 before the 2019 baseball season started to about 125 K when the season ended. So it was a really great year. Allowed me to do it full time just as I graduated college and then COVID hit. And I was like, Oh my God, like what's going on here? What am I going to do? I have no baseball to talk about, but like you said, it weirdly got a lot of people into the YouTube scene and I continued to grow, even though there was no baseball being played for a good chunk of time, people were still interested and it's, it's great, man. I mean, like the fact that something so negative ended up being super positive for me, I think is nice, but I also know that, you know, a lot of crazy stuff was going on, but it's fun. It's fun. It was one of the few jobs that was relatively unaffected because I'm just at home all day talking to my camera, no matter what, it didn't matter if you couldn't go outside. So pre 2019, you said you were at 30,000 subscribers. Yeah, uh, when I going into the 2019 season, 30,000 subscribers, and I ended it with around 125,000. And what are you at today? I think I'm at 255,000. So it's a it hasn't been as fast. Like there's always going to be that initial push, and that happens on YouTube. But the consistent growth, and then the little COVID bump as well, was was definitely nice. From 30 to 255. That's like an ex uh, Drake hit single right there. <laughs> Started from the bottom, now we're here. Uh, wow, that's impressive. So, yeah, and you do a lot of like sporkles you'll do. You'll do like name these third basemen, and you're good at memorizing that stuff. You know, I forget everything. Like, my memory is shot. It's incredible. You can remember obscure second baseman from like 2001, like just going back. And, and I think people enjoy that because they'll probably play along with you. You also have an interesting way of editing it where like, it looks like a jump cut to something. Boom, 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 boom. So it seems like it takes a lot of editing work. And you're also like, you are just like all in, like you're there and like, you're just there. Like, you you know what I'm saying? Like yeah, you're just yeah. present and you're up here like this and you're like locked in yep. and uh, you're fired up when you do them. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's fun. Like I, I think I have the best job in the world being able to like BS about baseball. Like you said, irrelevant second basements for 2001. I love bringing up, like Aaron Hill, I love talking about Orlando Hudson. Like those players to me are so much fun. So being able to do those quizzes and put them on YouTube and people actually like watching them and interacting with them is amazing. And then just being able to just talk about baseball or come on on a podcast at nine o'clock in the morning with you and talk about the Mets. Like this is to me, 
the perfect job in the world for a guy who ever since he could remember was obsessed with baseball and stats. So definitely uh, super grateful for that. The perfect job for a guy who does not like to wake up at nine o'clock in the morning and, and yes. record any other hour <laughs> of the day. I know you're not like me or not a big morning guy. No. So uh, I had a shower before this to wake up. I literally was just sitting there under the water like, why am I a Mets fan? Why my new my new trick is the ice cubes under the eyes. Just give yourself a little rub of ice underneath the eyes and really? wake is that right a thing? up. I've yeah, never wake done that right in up. my life. I'm about to start doing that potentially uh, next week. But yeah, this is going to be rough for both of us these next two months. Like we love doing the Mets podcast. We each love doing our own Mets podcast, but two months of a team in fourth place could be tough. The storylines are slim. And it's tough to talk to players. You know, I haven't been going credentialed much because it's like these guys don't want to talk to talk to someone like like me. Like they they don't really want to talk to anyone. But like, they, what are they going to say? I mean, you got to kind of be like, oh, how's your puppy doing? How's the family? Like, you're not going to be like, so this six game losing streak. Your thoughts? Like it it gets tough to pick and find storylines in a bad season. We're used to bad seasons, but when the expectations, me and Figgy both said this is the most frustrating season, arguably in the history of our fandom, just from what the expectations were and what the team is. It's tough to get those stories and it's tough to try to like keep a positive mojo flowing. Yeah, you want to you want to always have a fun interview with these guys and have them like say afterwards, like, wow, that was easy. I I enjoyed doing that. And when things aren't going well, you never want to be that guy that asks the wrong question. You never want to make someone come out of that interview and be like, screw these guys. Like, they're they're idiots. I don't want to talk to them. And when you're playing poorly, it definitely doesn't help to have like just bad vibes coming into it anyway. So it's uh, it's definitely an awkward feeling. It's definitely something that learning how to deal with as well, trying to deal interact with players still. But if man, just if they could turn it around, how fun could these last two months be? That's where I'm going to spin it. How fun could these last two months be if they start playing well? Let's end it on that. Let's have fun. Two months. Turn it around. Don't trade the whole team. Call up Ronnie Mauricio. Yes. And we'll see the trumpets in October, and it won't be at the Trans-Siberian Orchestra concert. Yes. Or your local marching band show. It will be at City Field. Trumpets. Let's get some meaningful trumpets. Let's do it. That's going to be the rallying cry. Trumpets in October. Meanwhile, they're going to like book a band there and they have like <laughs> the, the golf they do in the off season at City Field. I still got to do that. I want to, I'm not a great golfer, but I would love to like just do a, I'm good at the driving range and then I think I'm good at golf and then I go in the course and it's like a family's home. So let's get Trumpet in October. Giraffe Neck Mark and the Mets Up podcast. Where did Giraffe Neck Mark come from, by the way? Because I guess you have a maybe longer than average, but it's, it's not Giraffe Neck. Yeah, I think before you knew me, I was about 30 pounds lighter. So uh, in my earlier days of college, when I was streaming, people would say like, oh, you had a giraffe neck, like your neck is so long. I was skinny. I was really skinny. So I think it was accentuated a little bit more than it is now as I've grown into my Mm -hmm. adult body. Did you ever do any videos at the Bronx Zoo with giraffes? Like, it seems like a good opportunity for the YouTube. Oh, when I was in school in South Carolina, we uh, had a class trip, which is crazy to say in college, to the zoo. Took a selfie with the giraffe. That was my, like, profile pic for a couple of years. So, always doing content with my boys. My boys at the Bronx Zoo, (laughs) baby. You do a field trip. There's something good in the Bronx. um, Better than Yankee Stadium. Mets Nationals this weekend. Mets stuff has you covered. Amazing but true, as you covered as well. Mark Luino, thanks. I, I always have trouble saying your last name. Luino, Luino. Luino. You were perfect today. You were perfect. Mark Luino, thanks for coming on the show. Thanks for having me on, guys. Let's go Mets. I might as well be a white girl. 
Alrighty. Thanks to Mark Luino for joining me. Does a great job with the Met Stuff podcast. And yeah, like if you want to start a YouTube and like you do it right, you get the camera, you know, you have passion. He's just a regular fan. He started this and it grew and like the positive mojo and like the fun things he did work. And now he does it full time. So if you're, if you're like a content creator and obviously there's a billion podcasts, there's a billion YouTube pages, but if you do it right, you could make it your job, your career. And he's done a good job at that. I think that should be inspirational for young content creators to, you know, make a living out of something they love. You know, I'm still trying to do that myself here. As that, we'll say goodnight to episode 165 of Amazing Material Meth Podcast from the New York Post. Thanks to Andrew Hartz and Nick Guzman for helping me out and producing the show. As always, subscribe to Amazing Material on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google, Amazon, wherever you get podcasts, give us a five-star rating, write a nice review. And subscribe to the New York Post Sports YouTube page. And if you're watching us on the New York Post Sports YouTube page, that is a tongue twister. Give us a thumbs up. Click that thumbs up. Comment below who traded, who goes, how you feeling. Let us know. Vet your thoughts. And uh, let us know in the comments below. And follow us on Twitter at Jake Brown Radio and at Amazing But True. Think we'll be back next week. Now, we're playing by year here on the next episode. This could be the final episode with some, this full roster. We'll see what happens with trades. If there are trades... By the time the series ends Sunday against the Nationals, we will do a show Sunday night. If no one is traded yet, we may be holding off until Tuesday night after that 6 p.m. deadline and do a show that'll drop Wednesday. So stay tuned on Twitter. Follow us. We'll let you know. But I expect one or two of them to be done before the end of the series. But maybe the Mets say, hey, let's play these four games, see where we're at. And then on that off day, Monday, start dealing. So we'll we'll wait and see when the next episode will be. So stay tuned for that. But like we said, go and sweep the Nationals, win four, see where you're at. You know, see who loses, who wins. If you sweep, you know, this is the last place Nationals team. It's not unrealistic here to sweep. See if you're five out, you're six, five and a half, six. If, if you're within five and a half, you got to think, hey, we can't give away everyone. We got to see what we can do with now 57 games left, it would be. And then Mauricio, and then maybe we go on a run. Because five, five and a half with 57 is not insane to think that they could go on a run. But listen, if they're, if they're still seven and a half out after the series, you got to see what you can get for these rentals. And unfortunately, we might just have to go with without David Robertson and, and Adovino's the close or Drew Smith's the close, and we'll just have to deal with headaches for two months. Thanks, everybody, for listening to Amazing But True. We'll see you at City Field this weekend. Enjoy your undersized, and I forgot to ask Mark about that, that large soccer jersey that they give away Thursday night. Hopefully you're skinnier than me and maybe a little bit shorter than me, and it might fit you. If not, it'll be a tight one. Well, it'll be a tight series if we can enjoy it we'll talk to you next time right here on amazing but true let's go Mets. please win. and we say yeah 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 let's go let's go Mets.